0: Well, I'm going to ask you to stand and move. And uh, I, I hope this is Grace Evangelical Free Church, right? You're going to give me grace on this. Uh, but what I, what I want to do is to have you sit into a place like you live geographically. So uh, I know I'm going to go off camera here, but that's okay. I'll, I'll keep talking. The church is right here, okay? Let's imagine that the church is located geographically right here. So this is, what direction would this be? Well, what direction is this? That's north. Isn't that north? Yeah, that's north. Okay. So if that's north, then what's that? That will be south. Okay. So if that's north and that's south, what's this? West. So this would be? East. You always remember the word we. When you look north, it's we. So if this is the church, which direction do you live? So we're going to stand we're going to do the identifiers as well while you're standing. but uh, uh, the, the guys at breakfast uh, Thursday morning told me I could do this at the beginning. So don't back out on me now, OK? So where you live, and, and approximately how far do you live? So if you live south and west, you would sit over here. If you live north and east, Brian, you can stay there, you have my permission to remain there, and, and Evie, you have my permission to wait there as well, but everybody else, I'd sure like you to participate here, um, wherever you are. So, you live north, so uh, I-71 I 70, I is here, 71 is here, the uh, uh, 264, 265, What's, which one is here? I'm blanking on my name, and I live right there, 265. So, you're west of. So, I'm standing in Louisville. Is where downtown Louisville is where I'm standing here. So, nope. North is that way. No, north is that way. Yeah, but according to this exercise, it's that way. <laughs> Sorry, I'm an engineer. You just messed me up. <laughs> North is where the fire station is. engineers in this church. Oh, okay. Well, I-71 is over there. 64 is down there. Uh, Shelbyville Road is about there. Uh, Oh, you are far out. Is that what you're trying to say? All right. Well, uh, well, don't make it total. Just come on in and at least say you're in the right direction anyway. So, all right. So while you're standing, let's do the identifiers. Okay. We're down to the last one today. Aren't you excited? Aren't you excited? We're down to the last one. Okay. Yes. Well, you want more. Well, you can, you're only going to remember eight anyway, so that's the... Okay, so let's try these together. Ready? I am a child of God. I am a follower of Jesus. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am set free by His grace. I am forgiven by His cross. I am instructed by His word. I am on His mission today. Now here's the last one. Here's the eighth one. My hope, is in his return all those in the class of revelation said amen "Amen. my hope is in his return here's the verse for it Titus 2 13 while we wait for the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ that's what we're waiting for oh and I can't wait till Jesus returns so should we do them again we won't do them in reverse order I don't want to confuse anybody but let's let's try them again All right. I am I am, I am, I am, I am, forgiven by his cross, I am, instructed by his word, I am, and my hope is in his return, amen. Lord, teach us from your word today, give us hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Please be seated. Now. Where you are seated, because you are seated in a different place, just have a seat anyway, I don't, it's fine. You're going to listen differently to the sermon today than because you're not sitting where you usually sit. And uh, that's exciting for me, uh, you know, but um, I have more. There's a second reason I'm having you sit like this, and I'll tell you that at the end of the sermon. But the first reason is you're going to listen differently by sitting in a different place today. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Paul's testimony in Philippians chapter 3. And I urged you at that time to think about how would you do your testimony following the basic format of, I was, Paul says, I was a persecutor of, of Christians, I am now a follower of Jesus. And the difference is that he met Jesus. And taking it out of John chapter 9 where the man says, I was blind. Now I see, and the difference in between, is Jesus. And I encourage you, what is your story? And if you haven't come up with one yet, I'm going to offer you one that I think might work for a lot of people today as their story. Uh, it's, a su- it's a suggestion from our passage this morning, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and it's in the area of worry. You can see the sermon title, Why Pray When You Can Worry? Yes, that's intended to be that way. Why pray when you can worry? What I heard recently was this. When you read any book on your tablet, on your phone, on an iPad, or on your computer, and as you're reading it, uh, you, you underline or you mark a phrase or something, that gets counted somewhere. 1984, all over again, George Orwell, I guess that gets counted somewhere. So they're able to track, and so for people who read the Bible and mark a spot in the Bible, do you know that the most tracked verse, the most marked verse in the Bible, you might guess it would be John 3, 16, it's not. You might guess it's one of the Psalms, it's not. It's actually our verses that we're looking at this morning are tracked more than any other verses in the Bible. It is, people are anxious. They want to know, how can I have peace? So, how do we get peace this morning? We're going to look at this morning. Now, worry is on a spectrum. There's lesser degrees of of worry, maybe nervousness, or or worried, or anxious, or afraid, or panic, or terrified, or horrified. That would be the, the spectrum of worry. But the difference is the intensity of the feeling, and it's not the circumstances. There are some people, I'm sure none of them are here, that get worried about a dirty kitchen floor, and there are other people that don't care if their whole house is dirty. you right? You follow me on that? So you understand that. It's different. It's not the, the, the amount of worry isn't what's, uh, the circumstance isn't what determines it. What determines is it, uh, what determines is it is the intensity of the feeling. Some people might worry standing on the first tee, if you're a golfer. Others might be terrified to take a bar exam. Anybody get nervous when you see a police car coming behind you with its lights flashing? Anybody else? (laughs) Okay. Uh, And other people would fear hearing six letters, C-A-N-C-E-R. What is it that causes us to fear? So I'm going to write some of these on our board up here on my worry list, and I want you to call them out. What are some of the kinds of things that you think people today, this week, might be Anxious about? You'll have to say it out loud. I, I can't hear it if you just think it in your head. What do you think? What, what might people be anxious about today? War. What was the one over here? War. War. I thought of that one too. And what did I hear over here? Your Children. Children. And that's not the Buffalo Bills, that's, that's pl- paying your bills, okay? I think there's another, another big one I'm gonna guess, somebody might say. Let's just go with those for now. I mean, I know there, are, there may be a number of others. Um, politics, inflation, uh, some of those are related to these. But I want to define worry I want to define anxiety, and I'm going to define it this way. Uh, when I see that the resources of something or someone who is against me are greater than how I see my resources to face it. Um, in other words, when my, my enemy, that which is opposed to me, is stronger or greater than what I have. Their resources are greater. That, that's, that's what makes me nervous. It's greater than me. So, some categories of worry. I I don't want you to leave this morning more worried than you came in, okay? So, let me just talk about some categories. Three categories. I'm going to give you what if, information overload, and then that which is out of our control. What if. (laughs) I wrote this earlier this week. What if gas gets the $5 a gallon? Well, that was earlier this week. What if gas gets the $10 a gallon? That might be more realistic worry. but. to be diagnosed with cancer, to lose our job. What if these things happen? And Chris already gave us the verse, which I love. I'm going to actually use it next week on, um, from Matthew chapter 6. And that is when Jesus says, hey, let tomorrow's worries be for tomorrow. You've got enough things to be concerned about today. There's enough evil going on today. So uh, from Matthew chapter 6. Second concern is, or area of worry, is information overload some people read every news watch every news report that comes out every news release is war going to come to the united states what about the next election ecclesiastes 1.19 says he who increases knowledge increases sorrow oh that's quite a verse isn't it he who increases knowledge increases sorrow the more we read the more sorrow we're going to feel anybody oh. identify with that and say yeah that's that's how it works and then the third is out of our control, the threat of danger, the threat of memory loss, incontinence, death. The weaker we feel, the greater our fear. We could run away or hide. Fear can cripple us. We feel vulnerable uh, with less power to be able to be in control. Now, I want to say this very clearly. Somebody's speaking in tongues in the front row here. It's, It's really exciting. And that's perfectly fine with me, uh, perfectly fine with me. Um, I, I want to say this very clearly in context. There is no question that some people experience anxer, uh, anxiety and worry because of medical conditions and need uh, medicine for that, medication for that, to just to be able to process life. So I, I want to say that at the beginning. But I also want to offer the suggestion for what the Apostle Paul says here because I think sometimes we turn to those things too early. And I want us to see what Paul offers first. Um, So you don't have to answer this one out loud. What do you have to do in order to get a good sleep at night? What do you have to do to get a good sleep at night? Is it taking pills? For some people it might be alcohol. For some people it might be yoga. It might be deep breathing exercises before I go to sleep at night. It might be aromatherapy. It might be pornography. It might be exercise. It might be TV. It might be counselors. Does it make a difference, if we're a Christian, on how we handle anxiety and worry? Does it make a difference? Too often, the scriptural solution that Paul offers is what we come to last. We'll try all of those things before we'll try What scripture offers us so i'm going to give you and i don't usually like this kind of a sermon but it's the way it organizes this morning five ways to stop or diminish the effect of worry anxiety and fear we're going to talk about five and they're right out of the text so let's look at philippians chapter 4 beginning at verse 4. rejoice in the lord once in a while is that what your translation says rejoice in the lord Always. Yeah, I have the new reversed version. Oh, come on. This is, I thought, you're sitting in difference. You're you're just not following me this morning. All right. Anyway. All right. Now I'll read it straight. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God Will be with you. So the first one is, rejoice in the Lord always. It's a command, my friends. It's Paul commands us this, and it's to. It's a command for always. Rejoice in the Lord always. See, happy comes from what happens to us, but joy is sixteen times in this letter. Now. I don't believe that Paul's writing this letter because he's sitting in jail in Rome and thinking, that church over in Philippi needs more joy. Let me write them a letter. I don't think that's what's going on here. But this joy that he's talking about is joy is in the Lord. Rejoice what? In the Lord, always. And again, I'll say rejoice. Uh, The Lord never changes. The Lord is always in control. We can choose to find joy. When we understand what we deserve, what do we deserve? I had a lady in one of my life groups that I used to lead. Every time I'd ask somebody would bring up the question, what do I deserve? She'd say, I deserve hell. I deserve death. I deserve hell. And if that's what we deserve and what we get instead is Jesus and what we get instead is eternal life and what we get instead is heaven. That's a basis for rejoice. Be joyful, always, because of the joy that we have in what we ha- because of what we have in Christ Jesus. My faith in Jesus, my hope in the Lord. Let me give you some verses for rejoice. Psalm 511, let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. Let those who love your name, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Psalm 34, 2, My soul will boast in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Luke 10, 20, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. John 16, 22, So with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Romans 5, 2, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god not only so but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance then finally peter writes rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed rejoice in the lord always and after you've done that then repeat rejoice in the lord always repeat second instruction is in verse five Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This reasonableness, it's a a word that's hard to translate. Uh, It's a word that means uh, gentleness, your kindness, your graciousness, your your being considerate in your response to whatever happens to you. whatever, Whatever happens to you. We do not compromise with the world in anything that we believe, but we want to be gentle in the way that we go about it. We want to be gentle in our response to what goes on around us because, why, how can we be gentle? Because the Lord is at hand. Now that could mean that the Lord is at hand, he's very near, which is true. Jesus said he promised to always be with us. It could also mean, (laughs) what's this one? My hope is in his return. It could also mean that his return is near. And, uh, and he was, he's going to make everything right. Both of those are true. It's hard to react with gentleness when a driver cuts you off. Anybody have trouble with that? I know. I know. Kids, quit, quit pointing, nudging your parents on that one, OK? Um, wives, quit nudging your husbands on it or, or vice versa. Um, or when a referee makes a bad call. Anybody watch the basketball games this week? A referee made bad calls. You know They go against us. But Paul says that how we react shows how much we believe that God is in charge. If I am convinced that God is with me and that he is in control, I can respond to anything that happens with joy, with gentleness, and not lose my cool. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to have things go my way. And how great is that for maintaining unity in the church? When I trust that God's going to work it out and I don't have to have it my way. Rejoice in the Lord always, repeat, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And The third one, verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything. If I come to you and I get in your face and I say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, what does that do? That makes you worry more, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So that doesn't work. Worrying is an emotional response to what we see. This will date me a little bit. Crocodile Dundee movie. Uh, he was in the city and a, and a gang member approached him and pulled out a switchblade. And he reaches back here and he pulls out a machete. He said, that's not a knife. That's is, this is a knife. One of my favorite lines because it illustrates this idea. He wasn't worried about a switchblade because he knew his resources were greater than the resources that the gang member had with the switchblade. So we want to contrast this anything, do not be anxious about anything with pray about everything. And so what we want to do is take this list up here of things that we're worried about. And what Paul basically says is this, just change one word. What would be the word we put in here? Any idea? My prayer list. My prayer list, yeah. My prayer list, turn my worry list. So make a, make a list of things that we're worried about, things I'm worried about, make that list, but then change the one word at the top, things I pray about. Um, But then look at how Paul says we're to pray about this because this this really helps. When we pray about it, we pray with prayer or we pray by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I think it's really important in dealing with our worry is to pray with thanksgiving. Um, Being thankful tends to, not being thankful tends to blind us to our blessings. The song, count your many blessings, see what God has done, helps us keep perspective. What are some of our blessings that we have this morning? Are you with me? I am. I am. I am. I am. Set free by his, I am. I'm going through them all. I am. I am. And my hope, look at the blessings that we have keep our worries in the context of the things that we're thankful for. Um, and then with prayer and supplication, any kind of prayer. Um, <laughs> I wrote one chapter in a book on prayer. It's all I've done is the one chapter. And the, the <laughs> first chapter is basically, the first prayer is from Romans chapter 8, we groan. Don't even know what to say, we groan. But bring it before God, groan before God, any kind of prayer. The other idea is to tell your worry about God instead of telling God about your worry. Think about about it that way. Tell your worry about God. What has God done for you? I am. okay. This is how they show up. This is what God has already done for us. Tell God about your anxiety. Uh, Tell your anxiety about God. 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the other thing I think would be important in prayer is, God, is there anything about this situation that you want me to do? Is there anything that I'm not doing that, I, that you want me to be doing? Show me what those is. Because here's the bottom line of it. If I am convinced that God is strong enough to do anything that he wants, that he decides to do, and that he is near me and cares for me as his child, that's going to result in, Paul says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will stand guard, will guard, will march back and forth in front of your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It'll be beyond our ability. It will will blow our minds how much peace we have when the stuff going on around us would cause us ordinarily to be worried, to be anxious about it, or if somebody else watches us. And they say, what you're going through, boy, if, you, if I were going through that, I'd be, I'd be nervous, I'd be scared, I'd be anxious about it. How can you have peace in that? Because the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you're not able to figure out how in the world can I be at peace in this, because I have the peace of God. So instead of worrying, here's our testimony to the world. The peace that of God is with us, and that God is in charge, that's what brings peace. So then my question would be, in reality, will that peace reach my stomach? I don't know where your lack of peace or where your worry hits your body, but it can be in the stomach, it can be in the clenched jaw. Will that peace reach those spots? Will that peace enable me to sleep? Will that peace enable me to sleep? Well, it only gets better in verse 8. Verse 8 says, change your thinking. Whatever, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What we think matters. And this may mean we need to shut off the TV. It may mean we cut back on watching the news. It may mean cutting back on the internet. It may mean stop checking the news all day. Cut off the input into our minds that doesn't fit this criteria. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the NIV. But if you're old enough, you remember Philip's translation, which said, Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. One of the best ways to experience peace and less worry is to replace the input from the world with input from God. And then finally in verse 9, live for God and watch for others who do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What would those things be? What would those things be that we should practice? Paul's told us several of them in this letter. Seek the good of others above my own. Don't covet what somebody else has or does. Live a generous life. Sex in marriage only. Practice self-discipline. Regularly meet with God's people. Forgive anyone I need to. Pray for peace. Pray for your enemies. Is anybody having trouble praying for... The leader of the Soviet Union this week. That's what scripture would say to pray for them. Worship God. In other words, live what we believe. This is what we say we believe. Live what we say we believe. Practice those identifiers. Those are not just for Sunday morning in church. Those are for day by day thinking Our changing our thinking to be according to what God has to say to us. Chris would recommend this strongly. Listen, sing to worship, sing worship, so listen to worship songs or sing them if you can. Even if you can't, if you're by yourself, sing them anyway. And again, I, I put this in the context that some people need medical help, and 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 that's fine. I would certainly affirm that that that's true. Counseling help, but I'm just suggesting this morning: try God's way first. Try God's way according to what Paul says here. Now, I want you to see a very subtle change in the wording. I want you to see it. You see it in verse 7. The peace of God beyond understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. And now look at the end of verse 9. The God of peace will be with you. Grammatically, do you understand the difference between those two? Instead of God giving us a gift of peace, or a piece of peace, if you will, God gives us Himself. He is with us, and He is the God of peace to distinguish between the gift that God gives and the presence of God himself. Which do we prefer? Do, would we prefer God give us a gift of peace or that God, the God of peace would come and be with us? God wants us to seek him not for what he does for us, but for himself. And if we get God, we get the blessings of peace and power and joy and answer prayer. All of those are side benefits. I want to testify this morning because y'all walked through the valley with us. But we experienced this. A number of years ago, I had a, a friend who was about to undergo surgery for cancer. And uh, he, was a, he was a very new Christian. And when he came to talk to me about it, I, I mean, I knew I was going to pray with him about it. But what I told him was, the grace of God doesn't show up early. It shows up when we need it. And so I told him, I said, it may not be until you're on the gurney being wheeled down to the operating room, but I promise you that God will show up with his presence and with his peace, and you will know that he's there with you. Well, when you're the pastor and you tell that to somebody in your congregation, and then you're going to go through something like that, I tell you this morning, that is exactly, and I I checked with my wife this morning, that is exactly what we experienced a month ago now, a little over a month ago now, when she was about to undergo open-heart surgery at Cleveland Clinic. Both of us had that sense that the presence of God was with us and that the presence of the God of peace gave us that peace. And we had that peace, both she had it going into the surgery itself and I had it while I was in the family surgery waiting room, waiting for results from that. The God of peace was with and he will show up as we're looking for him and listening for him. Well, I cannot separate these thoughts and verses from the appeal for unity that's throughout the letter. We don't know if, if uh, the Philippians are having trouble with joy or anxiety or wrong thoughts, that, that was a part of the problem, or whether these are just general instructions for all Christians. But what we do understand from it is that the Christian life is supposed to be characterized by joy, peace, pure thinking, and models of mentors. I'd like to convey to you that every one of us is, in a sense, on a conveyor belt. There's somebody in front of us that we look to to learn from. We watch them and we learn from them. And there's somebody behind us who's looking to us. Maybe younger as a person, maybe younger as a Christian, but they're looking to us. And when they watch us, what do they see? Do they see somebody who panics? Or do they see somebody who trusts and has peace, no matter what the situation is? There's a concept in Christianity called inaugurated eschatology. Some of you have been waiting for a good theological term from me. There it is, inaugurated, theology, or inaugurated eschatology, which means already, but not yet. And so what it means is, okay, Jesus died for me, died for my sins. I have been saved, but there's more about I will be saved fully in the future. I have been saved from the penalty of sin, I will be saved from the presence of sin. I am already seated with Christ in the heavenlies, but it's not fully realized yet. It's like marriage. God gives us the gift of oneness and we spend the next 50 years trying to achieve it. We will be delivered from sinning, be free from pain, from suffering, temptation, but not until we get to heaven. God has begun a good work in us, but it's not yet complete. And what I promise you from the Word of God is, no matter what it is that we're worried about today, there will come a time when God works it all out perfectly, perfectly. We can have that confidence. I want to give you one more way to think about it. What's the difference? You can answer me on this one out loud, actually. What's the difference between a, a thermometer and a thermostat? What's difference the, well, engineers, okay. What's the difference between an, a thermometer and a thermostat? One measures the temperature, and the other one controls the temperature. The thermometer measures, the thermostat adjusts or controls the temperature. What I want to explain to you and what I want you to understand is so important. We usually think of our emotions as the thermostat, that they control how we think. What I want to convey to you is that God created our emotions. God created us with emotions. These, the, the emotions of fear and anxiety and uh, uh, and, and uh, And and worry, these are thermometers to measure our faith. To help us show what we actually believe about our relationship with God. This comes from a book, one of the most impacting books in my life by Dan Allender called Cry of the Soul, where he talks about emotions in the book of Psalms. A lack of joy measures the depth of our relationship in the Lord. Worry says, I don't see that Jesus is with me, that I've lost my connection to the God of peace. Impure thoughts come from losing a sense of the presence of the Holy God. Disunity, Paul would say, is evidence that one or both are not humble, they're not forgiving, but they're controlling. Lack of peace shows that we're not attached to God. A Christian lifestyle is one that is lived in the Lord, and God intends for us to read our emotions as signs. What are your emotions telling you? What are the signs telling you this week? What does your worry meter say? What does your joy meter say? What does your peace meter say? And again, I I urge you to think about this in terms of the testimony. I was blind, now I see, and the difference is Jesus. I was a worrier, I am a worrier, now I have peace, and the difference is Jesus. Who do you know that needs to hear that message this week? Who do you know that you can tell they're worried and they need to hear that message this week? I need some help because I need these handed out to each one. You want to? Thank you very much. I'll let you handle south of, uh, south of seven, (laughs) you go that side, I'll go this side. Uh, Just hand these out and uh, a little assignment for you. I'll get the extras later, but it's okay. This is, uh, it says on it, 111. And what it is is a prayer card and then there's a line for you to write a name. And what you're saying, what you're saying, everybody get one? What, what I'm saying by this is I want to pray for one person for one minute once a day. Now, who's the person that name goes on that line? I want to pray for one person for one minute once a day. Who needs to hear this message about the difference Jesus makes in terms of my worry? Who do you know? And, and, and it's okay if you can't think... You've I think probably the Lord will put somebody on your mind right now and you put it there and you just commit whether you do it as a family, you pray for somebody as a family. uh, And and, well, how do you pray? I I think there's, I love this, this concept based on the word bless. B, bless is begin by praying for them, praying that God will bless them. L is listen, listen to their story. Listen to what's going on in their life. Listen to what they're worried about. Listen to what their experience is with God. Listen to them. E is eat with them. That's my favorite one. Okay, eat with them. Um, There's something about eating that opens up the conversation. Something about moving the mouth that opens up. So E is uh, eating with them. The The first S is... Uh, Serve them. Find some way to serve them. Um, I offered to drive our neighbor to the airport when he was going to go away for a couple of weeks. Uh, Just find some way to serve him. He he said he didn't need it, but he really appreciated that I offered. Find some way to serve. Can I watch your house while you're gone? You know, we live in a condo complex, so it's easy to say I'm going to watch. They're always kidding me. If there's a party at your house, I'll call you while you're away, you know, but... They're kidding me about that. But they know we pray for them and they know that that we will do things for them. We will serve them. And then the the second S is your story. Share your story. Pray for them, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, and share your story. Now, why did I have you sit where you're sitting? Because what I would like, what I have right here, is the slide ready now? There There you are. There you are. All of you, well, most of you. Can you find your little spot there? There you are. And what you can see as you look at that is there are some clusters. And what I I want to encourage you to think about is who has God put me around that's part of the grace-free family that we can do mission work together? This is your mission field. Where you live is your mission field. Where we live is our mission field, our condo complex. We have found three other families that go to our church, go to the other church that I go to, that all, uh, that go to that church. So we've we've started meeting together. And as we meet together, we study the word of God together, but we also pray intentionally for those in the condo complex that we know. We're a team. God has sent us in as a mission team to work together, to represent the gospel, to represent the, the grace and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ to those around us. And so when we meet them, uh, when we meet people that, that we know in, in, uh, that we know together we, we pray for them. So I want to encourage you to, to look at who lives near you from Grace Free church because you God has put you or maybe it's who works near you um, <laughs> Whatever the connection is um, whatever the connection is God has placed you around people who know him so that you can pray together for people that are maybe Maybe both of you put the same person on your list and pray for them together. Maybe it's as your family. These are the people that we know that we can pray for. So we want to uh, encourage you to, uh, to pray for people once a day for one minute. That's not a, that's not a high request, but um, I, I want to pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I am convinced that uh, you have placed people around us who need to hear the message about the God of peace and the peace of God. Would you open our eyes to see them this week? Open our ears to hear those conversations where people need to know the the God of peace who can only be known through Jesus Christ. And certainly I don't want to Add on things that we have to remember in order to be able to live the Christian life. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what you have done for us overflows into an awareness of your presence that just changes how we respond to the things that go on around us, the things that we hear. So Lord, I pray that that, that trust that we have in you as the God of peace would show to others so that we would be able to share the message of the gospel and even to be able to do it together, to do it in clusters. Lord. Show us those around us that we can be on mission with and show us those around each of us that we can share the message of the gospel with.